0: This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's President and CEO, Zach Vasser, also Principal Second Violin and Artistic Administrator, Merwin Sue, and the TSO's Marketing Director, Felicia Canny. Well, we have a big subject ahead of us for the podcast today, and we've got only 29 minutes in which to do it. The idea is marketing. It's a good thing that we have you here, Felicia, because you're the marketing director. And Zach, yes, we know yes. you have a background in marketing as well. So this is going to be an interesting conversation because we're talking about the concept of marketing classical music, which presents, I'm sure, its own set of challenges that are far and apart from any kind of regular you know, commercial media-type marketing. So... I think that we can really pull back the curtain and give listeners an idea of the intent and the challenges and the success stories that have, you know, been a part of the Toledo Symphony's marketing campaign. Felicia, how long have you been doing this with the symphony? I I can't remember. How long have Um, you been
1: here? This is my third season. Your third season as marketing Mm
0: -hmm. director. And Zach, of course, we know you've been here for a couple years now. Same. is my third season as well. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Uh, Let's talk. Let's just so for people who don't know, Zach, give us a a sense of your background in in
2: marketing. So, before coming to Toledo Symphony, I was a marketing consultant for fifteen years. I worked for a couple firms in Boston. Um, Immediately before coming to Toledo Symphony, I worked for Communique here in Toledo, and um, my My background was really in uh, more analytic marketing, Mm -hmm. so we would do a lot of, um, if there's kind of a a junction between um, surveys and research and management consulting and strategy, that's kind of the the space of marketing I would live in. So we would would end up advising uh, very large companies on uh, things like ad campaigns and positioning and branding. Uh, how to uh, get a little more oomph out of the product life cycle before a product was going to go into retirement. Um, how to open up uh, new markets and things like that. So yeah. um,
0: it you know, all I, sounds very boring, but <laughs> thanks, Brad. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that you know being
2: involved in classical music, you know, is much more exciting.
0: The product, well, it more exciting. is. And, yeah.
2: and you know, in my career, I was spending a lot more time trying to find ways to get back to the arts. Uh, yeah. Working in classical mu- music was something I always wanted to do. Uh, marketing was was a way to get there because I I wasn't a good enough musician to ever really uh, find my way to a symphony. But it was actually a marketing director of the Toledo Symphony who inspired me down this path. Uh, of marketing, uh, when I was an intern, his name was Mitch Owens. He was the marketing director at the time in the uh, mid '90s, and he uh, he said, "I think you have a, a future in, in this industry if you're interested in it. But you know, think about administration and think about marketing, and, yeah. and that set me on a path."
0: Was, well, I imagine that you, having a marketing background as the the, the leader of the organization, you, you're really in tune with all the marketing efforts that are happening with the symphony.
2: Well, I, I, no pun in... intended, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I Brilliant. hope I'm in
2: tune um yeah, those guys are definitely in tune yeah um you know i I spend a lot of time thinking about it um you know there there are ways that uh marketing can be used as a tool uh that will connect people with an interest or even an aspiration to try something, and we live in an arts world where people who try out the arts usually end up taking something back. Uh, some they, they they leave different than they entered, and uh, the power of marketing is great. It also can be really misused. Yeah. So I think from from our perspective, you know, those of us in this room, um, we try really hard to find great ways to credibly use marketing to introduce and engage, and sometimes re-engage people to. Uh, you know believe in the sense of wonder that music can create.
0: Well Felicia we're kind of talking about marketing in the the wide sense mm-hmm. here right now but you also as marketing director have to deal with it you know program by program and step yes. by step. Do you want to talk a little bit about the marketing process for you with the symphony?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, We work very closely with uh, all of our friends in programming. (laughs) So that's Merwin and Elaine Trudell. And once um, the programs get set, uh, it's up to me to determine the strategy and to to plan uh, the whole season in advance so that once we dive into the season, it's just implementation. And it's really enjoyable, especially when we start planning right around like December, January is uh, when we typically put our big brochure together and we collect all of the artist information and the programs for next season. And then um, we create a a great brochure and launch that in February. Uh, It's kind of like this this mad rush until the end. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. like the adrenaline kicks in. The entire month. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, talking about the product, I mean, the symphony itself is a product, mm-hmm. and and it has a connection to the community. But within the symphony, there are lots of different factions going on. You have different series, mm-hmm. right, that you have to market, and and some appeal to different a different demographic than than others do. Mm-hmm. I imagine you have to change your messaging for the audience yes right
1: yes and uh when we think about uh who attends each uh, series each concert um i was taught to you know think about the archetypes like who is this person who's going to be seated at uh the mozart and moore concert or the Mm -hmm. the pops concert and how do they get information and then um my efforts using the budget that i have like i try to reach those people In the car, through the radio, through the newspaper, through social media, it's interesting. um, uh, Facebook users are kind of uh, getting up there in age, and uh, the the youngins, (laughs) like the um, people fresh like you, no, 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 (laughs) (laughs) people uh, fresh out of high school, uh, even college, um, they're they're kind of staying away from Facebook. There are other social media platforms that they're engaging with a lot more, and you know, in our efforts to continually try to get younger. Uh, audience members it's something we it's very dynamic we, we're just like chasing people well, this <laughs> all be, <over> the place. <laughs> yeah
0: it's, it's like herding cats it must be quite a challenge it is <laughs> yeah.
2: well you know there, there's there's a unique opportunity to put your product in somebody's face and yeah. and engage with them in a in a point where they're very um very committed Uh, You don't want to necessarily go out to them on a social media platform, though, and simply say, buy tickets, buy tickets, buy tickets. Mm -hmm. You have to give them content that would be interesting. And there are many ways that I think the symphony has become very good at creating its own content Uh, through photography, through videos, through this program. uh, We have many ways of engaging and speaking directly to our audience in a way that I don't think we have in the past. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit
0: about um, some of the maybe some of the fun things that have happened to you in your role as as marketing director, right? I know you have some stories to tell, and and I have a list here of at least one of your <laughs> I have stories. One in yeah, my head. There, there's a story Merwin's about.
3: it too. <laughs> well, why, okay, well, good. Oh, that's right, you're here, Merwin. Hi, Merwin. <laughs> how you doing? I get to be on the balcony today, just like lobbing the occasional comment. <laughs>
1: Well, no, but, you're very like in, involved in everything that yeah, we do. I,
2: I, I really think that needs to be underscored. I mean mm-hmm. your your humility becomes you, but um Merwin, you have a really good head for for considering the the position of an audience member, a potential mm-hmm. audience member, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and really what they can walk away from a program with. And I think you do that really well, whether it's a classical program or a Pops program. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I imagine the marketing begins with the programming. I mean you have to have a head for marketing, Merwin oh, yeah. when mm-hmm. you're putting these programs Definitely together. Like
3: I was really in- influenced by a workshop that an actor named Eric Booth gave. This was maybe about five or six years ago that I saw this. And he was talking about the idea of arts and entertainment. And I've told this story a few times, so hopefully not on this podcast. But <laughs> um, but the idea of arts and entertainment kind of being grouped together on an, in a newspaper section or something like that. And how all, so every so often in the performing arts we very much you know feel like one is infinitely superior to the other arts oh well that's that's significantly more elevated than mere entertainment and he encouraged people to think about it in terms of two impulses both of which needed to be satisfied in some way in any arts experience one an artistic experience would be fundamentally unfamiliar, challenging, stretch stretching the listener or the, the consumer, and an entertainment experience would be something that's fundamentally comforting or familiar. Mm-hmm. And that if you entered any sort of experience and had no familiarity whatsoever, mm-hmm. nothing to be comforted by, no structure that you could rely on, the, o- the overwhelming number of people who had that experience would be dissatisfied. Yeah. But I think... One of the challenges that a symphony orchestra can do is provide really artistic moments, moments that take somebody out of what they're familiar with. Even if it's a piece they're really familiar with, they can create an interpretation that made somebody see something new. And so for me, I've always really conceived of both programming and really the marketing efforts that follow in in terms of if it's a, fundamentally familiar program highlight what's artistic about it highlight what's original and if it's a fundamentally artistic program which is something that may be less familiar highlight what listeners can be comforted by highlight what can be what are the you know kind of the things that they can rely on so i've always really felt those two tensions and um felt that you really need both of those things mm-hmm.
0: yeah it seems very manipulative but it's also <laughs> it's also you know and, and in, in a certain sense that's what marketing is about it, it's also not so much manipulative as Brad. persuading <laughs> or you know giving people something to latch on you don't you don't mm-hmm. want them to walk into a, a concert hall yeah. completely
3: unprepared and elaine talks about that all the time this sense of like trying to balance the novel and the, you know, the familiar the or, new. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So
2: there's, um, you're talking about moments. And mm-hmm. uh, what I love about this concept of arts marketing in particular, uh, classical music marketing is that, uh, our product is not physical. Mm-hmm. It literally evaporates into space. And when people come to a concert, they're parting with not a small amount of money. And they're sitting down in in a chair and they're going to spend a couple hours with us and they're going to walk away. And what they experience in those couple hours is often the thing that we can most activate in terms of what we aspire to create and why the programming is so important and, and having these different inputs. Um, and, and that's where the moments matter. So, mm. you know, you could have a moment in a, in a concert where you're sitting with someone you love and you just get a little closer. Maybe you hold hands where there's a total nonverbal where you just look at each other. And that's the moment that you're going to walk away from that concert with. You can have a moment in that concert that makes you lean forward and just need to feel this more, being six inches farther in your seat closer to the stage, makes you engage in a different way. And that could be the moment you walk away with. So from highs to lows and happiness and sadness and love and fear, um, good programs can take you to all those places. So programming is really important because it, it generates those moments. Mm-hmm. Felicia,
0: we, we never did get to your story. I know you My had a story, story you yes. wanted to tell, your marketing story. Oh, Let, let's yeah. hear it.
1: So, uh, so after the programming is set and we have you know beautiful artwork that we get from the 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 artist management um yes we come up with a copy and we tell the story and then it becomes this this kind of game of uh watching how people react to um the to the to the message and so what part of what I do is I, I do uh take a look at the seating chart and I watch you know which sections fill in and um one of my first uh experiences here at the symphony was marketing the audra mcdonald concert yeah this was last year was this last year two years ago maybe yeah, it was two years ago. a couple of years ago yeah. yeah and um i i remember this campaign distinctly uh it was a part of our uh renewal um uh, time period in february march so we rolled that out with all the other spotlight artists and i know that In that brochure, we had what, Renee Fleming, we had Indigo Girls, Kathleen Battle, yes. Indigo Girls, yeah. Yeah, so that was one part of it. And then we, you know, people purchased tickets. And then we had um, our single tickets on sale date uh, in August. And then, you know, more people purchased tickets. And then it just kind of stopped (laughs) for a little bit and i i remember merwin was like running up and down the hallways at our he runs a lot <laughs> <laughs> he's really fast you got to keep keep up yeah. with him um he, and he looks
3: like he's fast yeah right yeah. <laughs> i have bad knees
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh we were we were kind of uh baffled that um more uh more uh, uh people weren't purchasing for Audrey McDonald and we would contemplate in our offices about well well is it Name recognition? Do people not know her name? Um, Which I do believe was was a part of that, but they did know her face uh, from like uh, TV shows, film, and even stage. And um, and I remember uh, we were concerned. Like one week before the show, we were like, I think we're gonna get a phone call from their management, uh, a sit down to talk about what we're doing right, what more we can do to, you know, boost yeah. sales because, you know, we all want this to be a success. And Merwin, do you remember we, we had this phone call scheduled and then we all sat in the office and I thought I was, we were all going to get scolded or something?
3: <laughs> I absolutely do. I think one of the things was that um, Audra's representation was from Toledo. And that's right. Yeah. So, so he had a really personal vested interest in making uh, okay. sure this was a success.
1: That's right. Yeah.
3: And then I did an interview with her, and all your tickets sold, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes.
2: I know you're joking, but um, it was like that sort that, of though. thing it does actually, does help. And yeah. I think we we live in a city where there's a lot of last minute decisions yeah. that are yeah. made for entertainment or art, whatever you wish to call it, Merwin. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the week of is is an uncomfortable place to have to wait for. <laughs> Every week is yeah. the week of yeah. something.
0: So <laughs> <But laughs> I remember it was wasn't it sold out? Yeah. I mean, it, it oh, yeah. sold out. It
2: Everyone out. had a great experience, but uh, there were certainly some stressful uh, moments yeah. leading into it.
1: Do you know what did it though, Zach? What was it? It was that week uh, we had uh, done a second press release to remind people that Audra McDonald was coming.
2: Yeah,
1: and um, it was probably picked up by all the news outlets within like half an hour <laughs> and I was like wow wow this is like <laughs> they missed it the first time yeah, maybe it was just you know spread out a little bit too thin yeah. and um, and then within a week I've never seen tickets move so fast I think we sold like half the hall and in, like, I think it's one week? of
3: those one of those lessons where I mean it was so incredibly important when Zach was coming on board um, when, when you Felicia mm-hmm. were coming on board we really wanted to make this splash yeah. with uh, right. with Renee Fleming and Audrey McDonald and Kathleen Badlow and the Indigo Girls and we re- I remember that screen just yeah. unveiling those uh-huh. artists yeah. and it did it created a huge amount of excitement but time but yeah. sometimes when you're doing that you just aren't able to focus the attention on oh yes but you should also buy the ticket for Andrea <laughs> yes. McDonald right. at this date yeah. call this number 4192468000 <laughs> i just reminded nice, you glad you, know, I like you. It. Let me write that <laughs> down nice job, but, no problem but like i think it's it was kind of a it was a really interesting lesson i think for all of yeah. us where it's like we got this great moment we built a ton of energy yeah. but it was really but we didn't sell as many tickets for Early, some of the later yeah. concerts because okay. we were just too far in it, too yeah, far in advance. Right.
2: Well, yeah, and we get stuck in this world. It, maybe listeners don't quite capture the the nuance, but um, we will usually be programming a performance about eighteen to twenty months in advance. And uh, so, if we announced, for example, that that uh, that screen that you're talking about yeah. that was at the end of January, yeah. and the concert didn't happen until the following like November, November right? but yeah. then um the indigo girls for example didn't happen for an and, entire yeah. uh and later year and 4 months 5 yeah. months and uh it it's you know these sorts of things are very long to plan yeah. and uh you know, the marketing plans can become you know months long as opposed to weeks or days so it, it it is a challenging concept i think we've we've now done enough things that we have data to predict what the behaviors are so we have some benchmarks we are much better in our forecasting now thanks to felicia's hard efforts to um, help us anticipate where we're going to end up and we're just getting a lot a lot more precise i think great
0: I want to take a little break and do our quiz to sort of, uh, you know, energize our batteries here. This is a vintage. Oh, I see where you're going with No, <laughs> no. Duracell. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, no. Energizer. Energizer. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, <laughs> no, not quite. Ever ready. Yeah. Uh, no. No, no, no. This, this, is no. this is a vintage ad campaign <laughs> quiz, okay? So we're talking vintage Pull up a little music here. It's so delightful. I like this. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm on a Mad Men set right now. So, what I'm going to do (laughs) is. So, I'm going to give you an ad line, right? I'm going to tell you the year or the decade, and you tell me the product. Like, for instance, when I say this is an ad from the 1910s, when it rains, it pours. Morton Salt. Morton Salt. Okay. Here's the next one. I feel I that's like Zach's going
3: to win. Oh, oh, no. I think Zach has this, an old soul, and his great does. with vintage ads. He does. Oh, look at him. <laughs> okay, here's one. Go social with America's
0: social companion. That's in the 1930s. Was it Budweiser beer? Was it Lucky Strike cigarettes? Or was it Ritz crackers? A, B, or C? Cigarettes. We're going to go for Lucky um, Strike. America's, no. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go with the crackers then. Felicia yeah! so got it. <laughs> ah. Budweiser Beer. Social
2: companion. In yeah. the
0: 1930s? In the 1930s, Budweiser Beer was your social companion. They were decades ahead of their time, right? <laughs> Here's another one. Give Mother a Night Off from the 1930s. Give Mother a Night Off. Was it Howard Johnson's? Was it Kentucky Fried Chicken? Or was it White Castle?
1: I White guess. Castle.
0: Yeah! Oh, wait. Were you asking or were you guessing?
1: <laughs> I... I don't know what some of these products
0: you just
2: are. Uh, White Castle. It, <laughs> like
0: how would you give
1: mom okay. a night off?
2: Well, because you're going to go out to White Castle and get your hamburgers. Felicia and accidentally smoothies. won that one. <laughs> yeah. That happens yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Here's so, a good one. So, sometimes marketing is just great guesswork.
0: <laughs> that's really actually kind of true. Of Here's no, another really marketing is. marketing tagline from the 1940s. To wake up gay in the morning, just try this at bedtime tonight. Hmm. Okay, is it Sleep. Ovaltine? <laughs> right,
1: that's what I need yeah. right No. Now.
0: But I like that answer. New parents. Is it Ovaltine? Is it Coca Cola? Or is it Lipton tea? To wake up gay in the morning, just try this at bedtime tonight. Lipton tea. Lipton tea, not wow. Lipton tea. Oh, I would have guessed that too.
1: Really? That's what I do. Okay. I'm
0: thinking
2: Ovaltine given the time. Ovaltine. Is that like a chocolate? Yeah, it's right, a little okay. chocolate shake. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay the here's the rabbit? next one. No, no that's quick. Oh, Again, that's this falls
0: in the line of innuendos. This is from the 1950s. Makes your meat go further, okay? Nice. Is it a spam? Is it b tenderoni? Or is it c hamburger helper? Hamburger, hamburger helper. helper.
1: Okay. That's like what? Uh, what? <laughs> but this is like it's our college t- experiences. Is.
0: <laughs> is it tenderoni? It is tenderoni.
3: What's tenderoni? And basically, wow, the, like precursor just, to, like, it's
2: the precursor to it's the precursor to hamburger helper. Really? I'm a little yeah.
3: concerned about yeah. yeah. no literally a minute ago we said marketing is great guesswork we all 100% agreed it was hamburger helper and we were all wrong uh,
1: <laughs> we're all relatively the same age well, maybe that's yeah, what it is
2: it's, the problem is that these yeah. preceded us by about two generations
0: the ad so Brad to you running. do this right <laughs> yeah I did oh <laughs> I did
2: Definitely. You're like, yes, maybe. Yeah, these are these are Brad's favorites.
0: Actually, I kind of wish that they still had tender. Tenderoni. They don't yeah. make it anymore. Really? Yeah. It, it's it's Let's macaroni bring it back. macaroni <laughs> and spaghetti yep. together, what? and they yeah.
2: recommend that you eat it with fried liverwurst. That's the meat wow. <laughs> that they're talking well, about. Well, but I mean, just think of the time, though. That's exactly yeah. the meat and potatoes era.
0: Okay, so three for Felicia, two for Zach. Boy, we could have a tie on our hands. <laughs> we've, we've got two more. How many for Merwin? Here's a nothing for Merwin. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Here's the next one. Why fight hygiene? Enjoy it. From the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Is it soap on a rope? Is it whiskey toothpaste? Or is it mint Listerine? Listerine. Mm. No Listerine.
1: The soap on the rope?
3: Try I this is your
1: chance. <laughs>
2: can, can you remember what it is? Mary? Or, you know, or it. whiskey toothpaste. Whiskey toothpaste. Or,
3: you know, like yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess My you morning. could enjoy it.
0: Yeah, when you're <laughs> enjoy, brushing your teeth. Enjoy your hygiene. <laughs> yeah. Whiskey toothpaste with six proof. And it was three percent alcohol. Start
1: your day right.
0: <laughs> and you oh, could also get it in scotch
2: or bourbon. Oh, <laughs> wow. okay. No, hold on a second here. Zach
1: would not go for the.
2: bourbon. Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely uh, go this for the scotch on that one. 1950s. Uh, so you would you alcohol your mouth? Yeah. So it was basically germs. listerine then. Yeah.
0: Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Except you scrub.
2: So you're. No, scrubbing. but listerine is not as enjoyable. Yeah, certainly as as, like, not a, with okay. that toothpaste. It, is this still available?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you have to make your own at this point. <laughs> Talk about being ahead of your time. This will you be like a it. weekend activity for Zach. You could, you could just do a little, you know, chaser after <laughs> you brush your teeth. Yeah, but you can't, well, okay, continue. <laughs> okay, last question. You know, Zach, here's your chance to tie, right? Really? Oh, okay. no, wait. I think,
3: no I'm I, I, okay, keep going, one. keep going. I think Zach is three, three. two, one. Oh, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, okay, so here is the uh, the tagline from the 1960s. Let's eat out. I mean, they really put a lot of thought into marketing back in those days. <laughs> That's Is what I it? Every uh, and these are all three establishments that were active in the 1960s. Was it McDonald's? Was it Arby's? Or was it Taco Bell? Let's eat out.
1: I feel
0: like let's get ready to rumble. McDonald's. That kind of thing. I'll- and Felicia has Felicia buried everybody in the dust.
2: No,
1: it's because I have uh, a four-year-old, and we might go through the drive-through a lot <laughs> on car rides <laughs> up and I'm down. Very 70, impressed, well, <laughs> but
2: it's it's humbling and only appropriate that I would lose to our marketing. Journey. Oh, uh, yeah. is this is
1: rigged. <laughs> but, <laughs> really, you tried?
0: But they still don't use <laughs> "Let's try. eat out," right? I mean, you don't see that as their tagline. What's no, a tagline now? But
2: it's it's interesting. You go. It, um, Think about the old uh, McDonald's in Chicago, yeah. the, the the rock and roll McDonald's or whatever they call it. You know, that's uh, exactly the the sort of thing that would would appeal.
0: Yeah, like the 1950s. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Johnny Rockets, right? Yeah, oh, really? yeah. I used to work at
1: Johnny Rockets. Really? Would
0: you? Oh do? my gosh! You, I, you I don't think the marketing I saw this director, on your resume. You? <laughs> no,
1: no. Oh, this is not a part of my resume. This is like an, not on the.
0: No. Did you did you do marketing? No, yeah. no,
1: this is a college thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow.
0: That's That's wow. It. Interesting. Amazing. What okay, to our well, your music that was so lovely. We've got we're just about out of time, but and it went by very quickly. But uh, I guess we'll give the last few minutes over to uh this idea of how to market and and you know, this should really be a two-parter because we have so much stuff that we could talk about and maybe we'll revisit this again in the future. But how do you market those concerts that aren't necessarily, um, you know, self-sellers? Like Audra McDonald, Mm -hmm. that proved to be one that that attracted a lot of people who don't normally go to the symphony, right? Yes. So how do you market to the core classical crowd and then try to expand that a little bit? I mean, what are the challenges there?
1: Well, uh, in this day and age, a lot of people scroll quickly and they... Don't quite read myself included. Yeah. Um, so we, what we are tasked with doing is coming up with with titles that just grab people from. Got to grab yeah. their imagination. Yes, huh? that hook them right at the beginning. Yeah. So, like, we do spend a lot of time on coming up with with titles, and you know, when we uh, create our ads, that's like the first thing that you see. Um, so that's, I mean, that's one of the strategies that we we use.
2: Yeah. I would say we, we try not to fall into this trap, though, that um, we ever have a, a product or a concert that we think people won't enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so if we take the opposite uh, approach and say that everybody intimately is pre-engaged to appreciate this, we simply need to help them explore it. Mm-hmm. So think of the stuff that we've, we've been able to integrate just even on our website. Uh, we'll put a Spotify playlist with every program on it. So if people want to, they can listen ahead and say, oh. That, that it's that piece, piece. Yeah. Um, having that ability to do that with video to do that with Spotify to do that with some of our copy to do with our radio ads to talk about things on this program uh, generally put us in a really good position to help people around that that cognitive um, speed bump if you want to call it that yeah. not a huge obstacle but just a little hiccup and um, and I think it's really helpful And and if you're scrolling through Facebook you know putting a face to the product is also really helpful, whether it's a guest artist or it's a TSO musician, you know, think about the, the stuff we've been doing with our, our program books to, mm-hmm. to personify, uh, and, and bring our wonderful artists, uh, right on the front cover. Um, there are many ways to engage and enjoy a concert. Uh, and if you think that there's nothing on it that is there for you, I, I think that that's, that's a mistaken assumption
1: and there's a great amount of trust in the programming over the Mm -hmm. years too i mean we wouldn't be here 75 years uh, without such great programming over Mm -hmm. the years and people continue to come back so with that in place a lot of people do do come to us and uh, look forward to even if they don't know what's on the program they know that what we will produce is something of great value and they they do show up
2: i used to say that when i was challenging different, uh, clients of mine in their, their, their programming, I'd say, you know, you need to have something to help people in the door, mm-hmm. but if that's the only thing they walk away with, then you've failed. If you can serve something up to them that they didn't anticipate to know, enjoy, or come to love, then you've really helped them through an artistic process and, uh, and, and it made it enjoyable. So we love asking the question, what piece were you most interested in hearing? And, and then after the concert, um, which one did you go away liking the most? And, and I really think that a successful concert is one where something brings them in, but something else is their great discovery. So yeah. you think a couple of weeks ago we did the, um, the French program. A lot of people came in for La Mer or Claire de Lune. Both were phenomenal, but I suspect that a lot of people went away talking about the Hadley, uh, work that started the concert or the Chausau yeah. or the, the Chausau. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, but i mean that that seems to be another way to help people discover things so if our audience trusts us and the data show that we have a very loyal audience we that's can. willing to go on an yeah. exploration with us then then we serve that up and we don't make that something we're afraid of but something that we we actually set our stake in and say this is something that we think matters mm-hmm.
0: yeah well trust is key and and you don't want to abuse that trust in any in any way shape or sure. form in fact you, it's a great gateway to, as you say, to other pieces that they may not be familiar with you you know you' you're building an awareness among your core audience the same way that I try to build awareness with listeners uh, of classical music you sure. know in the afternoons here on on WGTE. Um, we're gonna have to leave it at that and we can come back and revisit this later. but I'll leave you with a couple of my own personal thoughts, uh, one of which is that I have to say Toledo Symphony is sounding better than it has ever sounded before, just yeah, in, the, in the past are couple phenomenal. of years. Uh, as an ensemble sounding just fantastic and I hear all the concerts that you know come to me that we that we yeah. broadcast so I, I can tell you that and secondly this whole idea of going to a symphony live in concert in this day and age when you're talking about all the technology and how we're swamped with so many choices mm-hmm. uh, most of them are artificial in nature most of them are you know there there's there's a wall between the consumer and the product Mm -hmm. when you're talking about music you're listening to your ipod or your you know your phone you're listening to something on television You're listening to something through some sort of media delivery system to have all those walls taken away and to Mm -hmm. be right there in the auditorium with all the instrumentalists performing the music in real time as you say zach you know evaporating as it as it goes moves through the air um that is a one-of-a-kind of of experience Right. Which really is rarely duplicated anywhere else. So I would urge anybody who is even remotely uh, interested in, in having that kind of experience to, you know, think about going to the symphony and, and keep going to the symphony. Right. Because it's something that uh, just like public radio deserves public support. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Brad.
1: Yeah. It's, a, it's an incredibly fun thing to do. And I'm I'm honored to be working with some great people here at the symphony too to um, share our cause. Yeah. Well,
2: to piggyback on that, it's been amazing to watch Felicia build her team and create something that is just, uh, it's just—it's—it's a Cadillac operation uh, at the symphony. Uh, so it's been a pleasure to watch that.
0: And and, and she also won the quiz, you we know, have <laughs> to add. I and expect most to, importantly. Yeah, <laughs> most importantly. I expect to see that on your resume <laughs> in the future. Johnny Rockets. <laughs> right up there with Johnny Rockets. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. And remember, you can check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com, their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My thanks to Zach Vassar, Merwin Sue, and Felicia Canny. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM91.